Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome back to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. Today on our show, we have C. Von Hassett and Rachel Reed Wilkie, and they are, as they say, co-conspirators in all things. They're the rare married couple who not only work and create together, but practice together. Um, Between New York City and, and L.A., they have exhibited a diverse body of work, poetry, paintings, photography, a short film, and now entering the mind, Sivan's uh, new book. They have also founded Riot Material Magazine, a now thriving and widely read literary, literary <laughs> cultural magazine with its eye on art, word, and forward-aiming thought. They are here to talk today about deep mind meditation, pure consciousness, and doing a deep dive in volume of intense higher consciousness, which is what they have in their Entering the Mind, their new book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. Um, And you're right. When you said deep dive, you are very right in that I've read most of your book. Um, I have to say I drowned a little in the second half. Um, (laughs) But it was fascinating because there is, I don't see anything out there as clear as your book on how to really go in deep to that type of meditation. Some people can get there and then they're there, they're lost. You know, they're, they're, they're just, there they are, (laughs) that kind of thing. But I'm going to bring. Totally agree. I'm going to bring you in and you are using what's called, and I'm, I'm going to, I hope I don't mess this up. So Chen, Chen, Chen. Yeah. And can you tell me what that is and how that's different? Or is that too big a question? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not big at all. It's actually, uh, it's, it's quite simple. Chen is, is one of the rare meditation practices that, that show you how to recognize your own mind. And that is the basic element of the practice. It's, it points you to recognizing your own mind, and then it, it kind of instructs you on how to rest there and get to know it. And that's the basics of Dzogchen. I mean, it's obviously how, much larger than that, but the, to yeah. get it down to. As I said, I read the book. <laughs> so much larger. But um, how is it different? And and I have to apologize right up front with for some of these questions are going to be pretty ignorant. So I got to put that on the table. So I'm free to say them. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. <laughs> but how is this different from Buddhism? Well, it, it's an extension. Or is it Buddhism? I mean, Buddhism is always pointing you towards these teachings. I mean, everything in Buddhism, mm-hmm. from the most basic to its peak level is, is aiming towards Dzogchen. But once you enter the realm of Dzogchen, you, you leave Buddhism because Dzogchen mm-hmm. is no longer in the realm of concepts. It's in the realm of awareness only. And so you're, 
with Zogchen, you're kind of resting in your own awareness. And you, what you've done is you've, you've stepped out of your own I entity, the, the pronoun I that defines who we are and which is Buddhism is moving through this I, you know, it, mm -hmm. it teaches through the I, it, it shows you how to uh, move towards the higher states through the, the concept of self. Zogchen steps out of the concept of self and now you're strictly in the awareness being. But so Chen um, has the mind is individual. Yes, it is, and and you keep the mind on this side of the on this side of the veil and the other side. This you work is with what you, you have, and that's yourself. You are working yeah. with your own perception. You know, the universe is is a body of awareness, and we are awareness. But we're like portals into the universal awareness. We all have our individual perceptions. And we work with that perception. We don't, we don't try to trick ourselves and, and have us believe that there's no self, there's nothing there. And there's mm -hmm. only this exterior universal consciousness. We are a, a perspective on it all. And we have to get to know that perspective, but from not from the perspective of the I, but from the, the awareness perspective that we actually are. And tell me the difference between the I, the mind, the individual mind, and ego. Um, that's a that's a very good question, and um, it's 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 how we perceive the I, which is born of the ego. So um, you know we are all individual beings in this human form on this world at this time, and and what that does is because our consciousness is embodied in a human form, this creates an awareness of an individuality, and this individuality we're taught from being children that we are an individual self, and this gives birth to the ego, and so the ego is this is perceiving the world from the perspective of being an individual self. And mm -hmm. so the ego is very much um, connected and integrated within the concept of this I entity. So there's very little difference really between the I entity and ego. This is the same driving force that um, conditions us to perceive ourselves and those around us um, from this perspective of ego. Okay. The ego, as you said in your book, you can trip on pretty hard yeah. and, or get caught in or drown in, you know, yes. but as you said, it's separate from the I, from, um, the individual I and, um, how, how, that only comes after the practice, I guess, that you can actually yeah, you keep can, those two apart. Right. right. So um, the ego and the I are basically one and the same. But the awareness of the I, of mm -hmm. when, when, the I be, when you begin to take a different perspective and you begin to observe your own I, then that's where the separation begins to pull apart. You begin to, the I becomes like a thought. It becomes, it's a conceptual entity. And you recognize this from the place of your practice. Now, when you get back out into the world and you're not stable in your practice, you slip right back into the I and the ego. You know, like mm -hmm. this is my car, my house, my wife, 
all of these things. My thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. My thoughts. And so now you're back in the conceptual mode, but when you, when you settle into your Dzogchen practice, you, you, you become more stable in your own awareness and you begin to recognize that the eye is not, does not define you in any way. In fact, it doesn't even exist. Um, and you actually see this, you recognize that the eye is not nowhere in the body. And you, then you begin to recognize that it's nowhere, even in the, the, the conscious state either. It's, it's nowhere in the awareness state. It's, it's simply a, a conceptual entity that we fabricate and it's born of very normal habitual, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's how we, we act on this world and how we perceive on this world. And so the, the trainings are to teach you how to back up from all that and to recognize that you are not that, that doesn't, that doesn't define you. What is you and what defines you is your own awareness. And, and again, an ignorant question. So I apologize to everybody out there. No, but, these um, questions are great. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the Buddhist tradition to me is non-attachment. To, is this true when you get to that point? And, and we're going to, for my audience, we're going to go into the, the details and the practice. It's just these are the questions I had at the beginning. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll go into more of the details of how you get there and, and how, do you, right. how do you do this, really, which is what is in your book. It's fabulous. Um, but the non-attachment of Buddhism is this um, is this either your goal or is it where you land? Not necessarily your goal, but in doing the practice, do you become unattached to so many things around you? Buddhism teaches you to first begin to uh, become less attached to the things in the, of the world. So this mm-hmm. is the this is the training from kind of the exterior to the interior. So they, you know, don't don't get so attached to, you know, what you want. You know, I want to. I need. I need a brand new car. I need a, a brand new job or whatever. Don't mm-hmm. be so attached to these things. And then eventually, it's moving you inward towards. You become less attached to the, your the concept of yourself, and then ultimately, it's become less attached to your thoughts, the mm-hmm. I entity this person who, uh, me, mine, this creates thoughts, this creates attachment to thoughts. And so, Mm -hmm. so now you're moving from more uh, gross matter to subtle matter, and all the way down. So once you get into this realm, this is where you're learning to detach from your own thinking process, or, you know, like the because thoughts create judgment, thoughts create images, all these things, and we get lost in that we really quickly attach to it and move away from our presence. And so the trainings are, are, you know, the easy part is to detach from, you know, uh, wanting something out there, a shake or whatever. And then ultimately it becomes more difficult moving inward and detaching from the thought process itself. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Actually, there's um, a a lovely chapter in the book where um, Chris speaks to um, a practice, which is practiced by the Dzogchen tradition and it's um it's a mind meditation where you um um you actually imagine removing parts of your body in a process to detach 
from your body. And, you know, you start with easy things like your fingers and your toes and your feet and your hands, but you actually dissemble, of course, in your mindscape, you dissemble mm-hmm. parts of your body and um, to the point where you actually get down to the head and then ultimately you actually remove your head as it were from your body and you actually give up all of these pieces of your body um, in as an offering of detachment so that you actually experience in your mindscape you experience this idea that you are not to be found in any part of your body not even your head not even your brain And so that what you're doing is you're slowly, piece by piece, liberating your consciousness from the attachment to the body. And this is a practice that um, the Dzogchen uh, practitioners, they do, and they do it on a regular basis also, because as we reintegrate with the material 3D world, we reattach ourselves to our body because we're living in our body day by day. And so this is a practice which is called Chod, and can be practiced again and again. And it's actually, uh, Chris speaks to it very nicely in the book, and it's a great practice to experiment with. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. The body is something to be revered, and we, it is your temple. It does hold your consciousness at, the, at this moment. Um, so what you're looking for when you're removing the hand, conceptually removing the hand or removing the feet, you're looking to see if your I, like I am Sivan, where is this mm-hmm. eye in the body? You know, like it's really a powerful concept in our, in our everyday being. So where is this eye? And you look for it in the hand because if it's, if it's in the body, it should be in the total body. It can't just be in a part of the body, but you, so you check and you remove the hand. It's not in the hand. You remove the feet. It's not in the feet. You're still looking for this eye. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, is it in the brain or is it in the heart? Because that's usually where we feel the eye strongest. And you, as you're removing this again and again in your practice, it, should you choose to do this kind of practice mm-hmm. um, you're finding time and again that the eye does not exist and this merely gets you more familiar with the state that you are not the eye entity that you perceive yourself to be it's a training mm-hmm. and then at that point obviously to everybody i haven't made it there <laughs> so at that point <laughs> um, your eye is is the consciousness the, the, um, it is not in the body. It is not in the physical. It's in the larger world. Yes, yes it's true. Yeah. It's almost a, you, you reach the point where your individual consciousness becomes merged with the universal consciousness. But you maintain the individu- yes. individual. You maintain well. the individual perspective right. within that. So right. it's, it's almost a, awareness being aware of itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's what I call, you know, the that um the drop in the ocean. I yeah. say it's the drop and the ocean. Yes, <laughs> that's it's both. That's exactly, it's both. That yeah. Is exactly yes. it. Yeah, that explains it to me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's it. Yes. But now I I honestly, now this is my personal belief, but I believe that we chose to come here, that we as souls said we want to experience the earth plane. And um, I actually believe that we build our own bodies. And before we come here, we set up the life we want to have, the experiences we want to have, where we're going to have it, and the personality that we're going to perceive 
these experiences through so we can have them a certain way. Um, so if we do all of that and be, and come into a world that is duality, we have cut off all information. You know, I mean, um, you'd never see a five-year-old if we could, if we knew how to manifest and how to merge and everything would be gone, you know, I'll do it next time. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, everybody, (laughs) nobody would make it too far. Um, So we really cut off all of the information that is truly us and ours to be here and to have this duality and to have this um, emotion and these restrictions, all of this, but your practice is actually bringing us back to the other side of the veil yes. while in body form. Yes. Doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of us coming here? Well, I mean, if your purpose really is to suffer, um, then you should remain ignorant. But if, you, mm-hmm. if your purpose is to wake up from suffering, and one of the beautiful things about being a human is that we are able to receive teachings and we're able to uh, become aware of who we are. We're able to turn our attention back inwards and observe the, the, the subtleties of ourselves. Then I think that's the purpose of being alive. I don't think, I don't think we give it up. Just we give up our higher selves to come here and spend time on this earth and just play and suffer. I think this is an opportunity for all sentient consciousness, all sentient beings to come here on this one particular plane that allows us to receive teachings to realize our higher selves. Because even in death, even in the afterlife, I don't think we're fully even conscious of our highest selves. I think we are way more conscious of our higher selves, but we're still bound to the dualistic thinking. We're, We're still driven by our thoughts. We're still driven by desire. And we still run from suffering and we still get attracted to beauty and bliss. This mm-hmm. occurs at every level, even in, in our dreams. So I think the human body is this unbelievable opportunity to, to make a huge step forward into realizing our highest selves um, and receive the teachings. And that, this is what Chen is offering us. Do you think we can only um, see mind from a human point? Like, you know, I, I kind of think, I'm hoping, I think, <laughs> that when, when we go to the other side, that we, again, merge back into the knowledge and, we're, and the duality is gone. You know, this is what I'm hoping, I think, right. that we just took it for this lifetime, you know, for this human experience. Um, but do you think that we can only see mind as a human? Can can this work? And, uh, you know, this is obviously hypothetical because you don't know while you're a human. Mm-hmm. But um, can could we do this on the other side? You know, once we go back and we merge back, uh, this, again, my belief, and we merge back with the greater um, consciousness, mm-hmm. can we not see it the way we would see it here? Can we not observe it? as, um, is the wrong word, I was going to say outside of ourselves, because it's not really, which is part of your practice to show. I think it's, it's more, not really it's more difficult, because um, what's what, the beautiful thing about the body, and this is why the body needs to be revered, is it stabilizes us, it grounds us, 
it grounds so we can we can return to the same house every single day and get and read our books and things like that whereas in the other world we're driven by thought and we're continually on the move i see that we have some uh, no actually um they were they call for commercials and i let it go i said okay. no we'll go we can go for two commercials to one but i'm going for one i don't want to leave this conversation <laughs> so, okay, so i i think without the body um we're driven all over the place and we can we can get the truth of this in our dream you know in our dream we're going mm -hmm. from one place to the next we don't have a body to ground ourselves so whatever thought comes whatever we're hearing uh through our ears that's that's kind of moving us through our dreamscape we're we're not grounded so the beauty about being in this body is we have the grounding we could spend 50 years receiving teachings and developing our practice because we have this one body that's keeping us in place the minute we lose this body now we're vulnerable to the winds of consciousness the winds of the universe all of the things that drive us in every direction um, and it becomes much more difficult to receive teachings and to stabilize in these teachings. Wow. So this is our anchor. This is our, this is our anchor. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. our ship kind of thing. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay, yes. good. Um, I have more questions, but I will ask them while, while you're, you're, I want you to come in and tell us about your teaching, about your, your process. Mm. You want to talk about that? Um, yeah. Yes. Well, it's um, Is that too wide open, or no? no that's good. Okay. Right. Um, it's a good process, and um, I can I'll begin it. Um, it's mm -hmm. it's quite simple, and um, at the same time, you know, there's a lot of philosophical, um, conceptual thinking behind it. But um, but what we can begin to practice right now, when anyone's ready, is to um, first of all. Um, find a really comfortable place to start. So it's really about calming down. It's really about just being still. And I think that in itself is something that some of us struggle with, just being still. And, just sitting, yeah. Um, just sitting still for a while. And, right. you know, we we suggest that um, if it's 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon, um, 20 minutes is kind of like a minimal time for you just to really be able to sort of get in the zone, as it were. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it is important to sit upright, cross-legged, and this is known as the, um, the seven-point position. And that's because you just want to open up all of the wind channels in your body energetically your body can receive from the crown but your um your butt is rooted to the ground so that you your root chakra is connected to the ground so you're really aligning yourself with um the heavens as it were with spirit with yeah. consciousness and to the ground to ground you so and do you know i have to say here i have always seen that pose you know which yes. is a cross-legged and mm -hmm. and you know sitting in the the fingers touching each other and all that. Yes. And I never really understood why they did that until oh, I read it in your book. And I've been around this industry or whatever you want to call it, all, all this information yes. for a long time. And I've never seen it explained like that. Yes. And it, once you explained it, I thought, oh my God, it makes total sense yeah. yes. where, you know, you cannot lay down because you're not getting that uh, you called it when, but you're not getting that connection from the from the consciousness or That's from the con from the heavens yes. to, you know, um, the earth plane. Yes. 
That's and right. going through all your chakras. So I have yes. to thank you for that. Oh, yes. Well, yes. yes. Yeah, Chris and, has a and great way. So with clearly words. explained. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> Yes. So sorry, go ahead. Yes, I no just worries, had to but... throw that in and thank you for that explanation. Yeah, I think that's I think it's really important because um, it's like you said, it, you know, we are dealing with the body that grounds us and the consciousness that is free. But, you know, mm -hmm. we are this pillar in a human form, which is actually grounding the consciousness. So, you know, as your consciousness begins to rise and merge, then, you know, your, your body is actually grounding you and the, and the cross-legged and the connected fingers. I mean, you can, you can interlace them and touch your thumbs, or you could just lay one palm on the other and touch your thumbs. This is really just to keep the wind in a circular motion through your body. So you've got the vertical up and down flows from earth to heavens, and then you're just containing that in your body form. So that's why um, they speak to just um, interlacing the fingers and connecting and just, just stopping energy from just um, being dispersed. Right. Just spinning um, out, depleting out. That's yeah. right. So, so yeah. sitting and of course, um, you know, find somewhere comfortable. I mean, you can, um, you know, use a, a, a support for your back, you know, because I think a lot of people at the beginning, when they start meditating, they struggle with just keeping their back straight and then they start mm -hmm. to feel aches and pains. And that's it's not the most comfortable position, <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> the most. I know everybody wants to lay down. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But support your back push yourselves up with loads of cushions. No one says that you have to stand there on your own and, um, mm -hmm. you know, have to have done like a whole series of Pilates out, you know, workouts. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, so, and if, yeah. what it is, is really to have that energy movement that way. That's, That's right. the most important part. That's right. And then yeah, and once you can you're in, be comfortable with that. <laughs> exactly. And be comfortable. Yeah. Fine. And, you know, when you first start out, you're going to be shifting around a little bit, moving around and making yourself mm -hmm. comfortable. So find that spot that's comfortable for you. And of course, you know, while you are beginning, just look for somewhere that's quiet and not too many disturbances. But but don't worry if you've got traffic going on outside or you've got the beautiful birds chirping or your dog starts barking. That's actually part of your experience in a human form. So mm -hmm. don't, don't get worried if you hear, um, if you hear disturbing noises or um, that's, that's part of the practice. Um, now, traditionally with Dzogchen, you actually keep your eyes open. And um, this perhaps differs a little bit from most meditations where you close your eyes. Um, and the reason for this is that, um, and by the way, if you want to begin with your eyes closed because you just want less disturbances, no problem. You can close mm -hmm. your eyes. Um, but ultimately, um, the Dzogchen masters advise you to open your eyes just because this particular meditation doesn't want to close down any of your five senses. Um, you know, you have, um, you know, your sound and your smell and your sight. And so the idea is not to close that down. The idea is to enter your consciousness while your five senses are still working. Mm -hmm. But what you do is you relax the eyes and just glance down just a few feet in front of you, just relax the eyelids. You're not trying to strain your eyes, but you're just letting your eyes float a little bit in front of you. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to relax and you just take a couple of deep breaths, just calm your body down. And the idea is that you can even begin just by focusing on that little spot in front of you, a few feet in front, and just be slowly aware of 
of course, all the thoughts that are coming into your head, because, you yeah. know, when you do try and sit down and do nothing, the body and the mind doesn't want you to do nothing. The body wants mm -hmm. you to keep thinking. The body wants you to fidget. You know, the, you know, the thoughts come. It wants okay. you to get up. <laughs> That's right. Move around yeah. and keep going. <laughs> so it's just turn on the dishwasher. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What did yeah. I not do this morning that I should right, have done? Right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> So you really yeah. just sit, and this is the very beginning, you just sit with it and you let those thoughts come, you let those thoughts go, you find yourself perhaps focusing a little bit too much on one particular thought because you really mm -hmm. forgot to do something. And so you try and just bring yourself back to this moment when you're just focusing on the spot in front of you. And, and this can, that in itself could just take you the full 20 minutes. I mean, that's just you beginning right. and getting into the practice of just sitting still. And the key here, which I found um, super helpful is that don't judge, don't judge any thought that comes. There's no good thought and bad thought in this state of meditation. You are just letting the thoughts come and go. And, um, and this is really important, I think, for us just to begin and to understand that we are a product of our thoughts quite often. And mm -hmm. that is not a bad thing. Our mind is used to being active. And so all we're doing now is creating a space for our mind to slow down. And I'm going to stop you right there yes. and take a break. Wonderful. <laughs> now that we've gotten ourselves to a seated position. Yes. <laughs> and we're, we're starting to calm and beginning the practice. Yes. Of Dojen. Zogchen. Zogchen. It's like, ah. Um, so, and we're going to come right back. And, and we have just really just started on how to get positioned and yes. to begin. So we'll come back and we'll start to get into the actual process. Yes. So we'll be right back. One thing's for certain, life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one -one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and welcome back to Metaphysics of View Through the Veil. And we are talking to Sifan and his lovely wife, you know, who is actually bringing us through the process. All right. And you have to say the name again. I've butchered, butchered it a few times. Of your, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And, and really the difference is that it's an individual mind. That is a very, very big difference in your practice versus um, many of the other meditations and, and 
enlightenment processes out there. So I'm going to bring it back to you. We've gotten ourselves seated and calmed ourselves down. Yes. And I'll give it back to you now. And so great. Thank you, Bob. Um, And so, you know, we're in this comfortable place and we're still. And and what we are now doing is we are um, really focusing on the fact that we can be still. There is a mind behind, as it were, behind the thinking mind. So of course, your thoughts will come, your thoughts will go. Try not to judge them, just let them come and let them go. But just notice as these thoughts start to slow down that there is there is um, a stillness behind those thoughts. And this is the non-conceptual mind. So this is the true nature of your mind. When your mind, your conceptual mind stops thinking, and when your conceptual mind calms down, there are moments of stillness, peacefulness, as it were. And it's known as emptiness. Now, that doesn't mean that it's empty as in there's nothing there. It is a spacious emptiness but it's full of awareness. And what happens is that you'll start to recognize it. And this is um, key because this, I think, is where um, Dzogchen differs from some of the other meditation practices because Dzogchen will actually teach you how to recognize your own mind in its natural state. And um, I will ask um, C to um, elaborate on that because it can, when you do meet with a master, um, this can be pointed out to you with very, very specific instructions. Um, And so when you actually recognize this spaciousness, this emptiness, but this emptiness, which is cognizant, that is your mind. And once you've recognized this, then the actual heart of the Dzogchen practice is to rest there. So you literally relax into that state. So you've recognized this emptiness, you rest there. Now, what will happen at the beginning when you first start practicing is Can I ask a quick question in there first? Sorry. Yes. When you recognize it, doesn't that bring you back into your mind? The recognition? (laughs) Well, that is a good question. That's a very good question. So at the beginning, yes, it's going to throw you right back into your conceptual Mm -hmm. mind. And you're like, oh, no, I've lost it again. You know, because you're like, there it is. I think that was it. And then, of course, you're thinking again. But then, yeah, the minute you think about it, the minute you think about it, you're gone. You're out of that space again. So, yes, (laughs) you're absolutely right. Um, But I would say, you know, within within weeks, maybe months, but within a considering your lifespan within a short Mm -hmm. period of time, you will be able to recognize from a place of knowing. And this knowing is an inherent knowing in our body, which is, which is almost bringing us home to ourselves. And -hmm. what happens is you know it, but you know it in a, in a, you know it in your mindscape, you know it in your visceral Like a recognition, like a a recognition. recognition. You're recognizing it, but not with the conceptual thinking mind. Mm -hmm. And of course, this doesn't happen at the beginning, you know, so it takes a little bit of practice every day, like a little bit every day, and you get more and more familiar with recognizing it, but less from a conceptual perspective, actually from a place of knowing. And really then- Is that an experience? Do you experience it? It okay. is an experience. And, and this is where, yes, we, we use books to guide us. Our books will tell us 
show us the path, show us the way. But ultimately, mm -hmm. this practice, the practice of Dzogchen, is all about the experiential practice. Because ultimately, you can be the smartest person in the world, or you could be, um, you know, struggle with your intellect. But if you can actually experience this sense of knowing, that itself is the heart of the Dzogchen teachings. Mm -hmm. And you wow. really then, from that point, you then practice stabilizing. And what we mean by okay, stabilizing. Before we go to the yes. next part, I have another question. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. What about the, the people who say, I have tried to meditate and I cannot meditate? Well, that is a good question. And honestly, at the beginning, everybody feels they can't meditate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always use this, um, this story. I, I always say like, well, if, if you wanted to practice yoga for the first time, you wouldn't walk up to a mat and stand on your head. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think that you could do Let's it. Hope. And you definitely <laughs> wouldn't risk your neck and, um, yeah. and, and just stand on your head. And so it's like everything we train for in life. You know, you don't walk into a career and become a CEO. You don't pick up a violin and become, um, you know, maestro. a, a world-famous <laughs> maestro in a violin yeah. um, con concerto. So it's um, it really is something that you have to be um, just very kind to yourself, be very patient with yourself and just understand that when you first start doing it, it's a little bit strange. It doesn't necessarily feel natural to you, um, mm -hmm. but just do a little bit every day and mm -hmm. quite quickly. I mean, we're talking weeks, maybe months, but quite quickly, you will actually start to feel that, wow, I'm getting a little bit better at this. And you know, and of course, there shouldn't really be the judgment of this was a good meditation, this was a bad meditation, because right. it doesn't matter if your meditation is full of thoughts or if your meditation is actually quite empty of thought. Mm -hmm. That could just be the spiraling energy of your day. But the fact yeah. that you've meditated that morning, that day, means that you have meditated. Is this like breaking a bad habit of thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is it. Yeah. You are literally training your conceptual mind to calm mm -hmm. down to the point where for split seconds, it stops thinking. And those little breaks, those little moments, and the Buddhists actually refer to it as the gap, those little gaps that happen between one thought and the next thought, that gap is that magic moment, as it were. And that is where you are literally in the presence of your own innate nature. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Thanks. All right. I took you a little sideways. Let's go oh, back. No, not at all. <laughs> the, yeah, this is great. I love your questions because they're so detailed and, and it is a detailed process because, you know, you, it's like everything you walk, you know, well, you crawl mm -hmm. and then you walk and then you run and, and it is okay to take it slowly and it's okay to take it step by step. The problem is, is I can see somebody else walk and, and run and I can't see somebody else do this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no imprinting can go on here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so then, um, so then really just to sort of conclude the process the, the, the final stage, as it were, I mean, of course, you can always increase your awareness and increase in your path to the point where you become enlightened like the great masters. But really, the heart of the practice is when you are resting in that state, 
you're resting in the recognition of your mind, your innate nature. And is that nothingness? This is the emptiness. It's This is when mm-hmm. your individual consciousness is in the space of emptiness, which is aware. And this is where you really become the individual consciousness in the presence of the universal consciousness. And this is really where awareness is experiencing itself. Um, During the commercial, Rachel and I were talking about my, I'll I'll put it in air quotes, my meditation Mm -hmm. (laughs) practice. And uh, what would happen with me is I would start, I would get in the seated position and I would start and um, then I'd be gone. And a half hour later, I'd be back. No idea what happened in that half hour. I didn't sleep. I know that, but that's all I know. And, um, but I, have come to believe that I was out of body. My, my spirit actually left, right. Mm-hmm. You know, my body. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's not what you're talking about. When you no. are present during the whole meditation, you are not you're very, left. You're very you present. And you're left. actually, you're, you're, you're keeping an eye on yourself is what you're doing. You're, you're making sure that you're not drifting. So what you probably want to do is set the intention going in that you're going to remain present you're not going to leave your body if that's your tendency then Mm -hmm. you have to work with that you have to know what your own abilities are and what your lack of skill is and be conscious of Mm -hmm. that and set your intention so how important is intention it's critical you have to your intention is to remain aware that's your Mm -hmm. intention your intention is to remain present because you can only do this work if you're present, if you're aware, right. if you're floating around and, and elsewhere, then you're not doing the work and, and have no memory. <laughs> there's and, no, and so there's yeah. no, So what's the point of sitting down? You can relax anywhere. You can go. That's kind of where I went. What was yeah. that? What, was, yeah. what good was that? Well, yeah. Relaxing is right. great. You know, like we go, yeah. we go to a coffee house and sit and have coffee because we like to right. relax and chill a little bit. But if you're, if you're trying to work on this particular practice, you have to maintain presence. And so you have to mm-hmm. just keep checking yourself every couple of minutes, check back in with yourself and say, am I still here? Um, right. And then the minute you find that you've strayed, you bring yourself back, you get, you bring yourself right back into the body, listen to your breath, feel your breath, listen to the birds, hear what's around you. So you reground yourself in the present moment and get right back to work. What are you working on? That's the beautiful thing about Chen is it gives you a purpose to meditate. Most mm-hmm. meditations have you floating around in this idea of de-stressing or let's focus on the breath for an hour. Well, that gets quite boring, you know? So mm-hmm. Zogchen is saying what we're going to point you towards is the awareness of your own mind. And you can continually check yourself by going in and saying, am I present? And is the mind I'm looking at the conceptual one and the non-conceptual one? And, and the, the technique is, to find the one that is non-conceptual and then just sit there. And the more you do this, the better you get at staying present and Mm -hmm. less often you'll be leaving your body. So really Mm -hmm. that intention is critical. And that uh, conceptual and non-conceptual mind, you want to explain that a little bit? It's in your book, but yes, the conceptual is the one that we're thinking all the time. And Mm -hmm. the conceptual involves me. I, mine, 
the conceptual, uh, all of our striving, our suffering, our incredible happiness and pain, all of this mm-hmm. is part of the conceptual being. The non-conceptual mind is the one that is actually aware of all that, and that gives rise to all that, in the same way that space gives rise to all the things in our world, the buildings and the people and the dogs and all of these things that space allows for, our awareness being allows for the same thing in within ourselves, the body itself, um, the um, just the mm-hmm. things that we do and the experiences that we have. This is all born of the non-conceptual state. And that's the state that we're trying to get to know a little bit better. Okay. Um, once you reach that state, that's where you suggest, although it's not necessary to go to a master. And can you talk about that and why would that be necessary or good? Maybe not necessary, but good. Well, really, you know, we're all, we're all learning this technique here in the West, it's, it's, it's pretty fresh to us in the West within the last 50 mm-hmm. years, really. Um, and it's, it's quite complex, even though we speak to it in very simple terms, you know, there's a few steps to go in and recognize and rest. Um, there's a lot of areas to get lost in and to stray and to the ego also likes to play all kinds of roles and it, and it, and it kind of like wants to pat us on the back and elevate us. So oh, you're doing so amazing in your practice. And, you know, there's so many ways to this practice can, can go wrong. And so a good master uh, has the has the incredible awareness to know every student that sits before them and what they need and where they may be going off or where they're on the right track. And yes, they affirm for you that you're doing the right thing. Or they say, you know, I know you're feeling really good about everything you're doing right now, but in fact, you're doing it wrong. And you yeah. need to come back this way. So master is great at recalibrating. Okay. And confirming, confirming that you've made it or you didn't. Setting us, yeah. you know, and then yeah. you go to a master once a year, get that recalibration mm-hmm. and you go back and you practice and everything that they spoke to you about, just okay. get in there and, and just, and so they're great to have, um, have out there. Okay. Um, can you, um, do you have to go to one master or can you kind of shop it around and go to different masters? Well, if, if, if oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're practice, if your practice is Dzogchen, you mm-hmm. can go to the masters that are speaking to Dzogchen. So oh, because okay. Dzogchen is, a, it, there's, there's no variation between master and master when it comes to Dzogchen. There is when it comes to, when you get down into various practices that are be, below Dzogchen, so to speak. But Mm -hmm. you can, the great masters are all speaking to the same thing. Now, it's it's always best to resonate with one master. Mm -hmm. That's typically what happens. One, uh, our individual personalities kind of align with certain individuals. And so that's Mm -hmm. why there's, you you kind of find your master and you you stick with them. But you can go to other masters as well. How do you find your master? (laughs) Um, Well, the book itself, I, I, I open the book with a dedication page to five, great masters uh Mm -hmm. four of them are still alive Uh, Mm -hmm. and so you could begin there or you could just type in zogchen masters on in the internet and you'll probably come up with a few you know that are excellent and and many many travel to the united states Mm -hmm. um some have centers that they regularly visit and um, they hold retreats so Mm -hmm. um 
there's um, you'd have to sort of look according to location, perhaps see who visits your state or you might need to consider um, traveling to another state. But um, but they they have at least now since the pandemic, they have they're starting to open up their retreats again. Um, so it is possible to go and spend perhaps a weekend with them or a, a one week retreat. Um, so they are quite easily findable, um, but okay. some of them travel the whole world. And of course, they're dedicated to this and very busy. So you would have to sort of just check your schedule with their schedule. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, and go um, meet them where they are. And meet them thing. where they are yeah. and perhaps sign up for the weekend or the week. Yes. Mm-hmm. No Zoom, huh? <laughs> not that they're we're not working on zoom they're, they? they're doing zoom oh. now they're, so oh, they'll do okay. oh they are over zoom yeah okay they're, oh they're, wow they're moving mm. to the uh, modern era oh awesome <laughs> <laughs> um now you talked about shamatha shamatha um and tm you want to address those two hmm. well what i love about tm is um tm through um the mantra shows you and bring it, the mantra brings you into this um, empty awareness state that we're speaking to. They call it the unified field. So transcendental meditation is really easy for everybody to really get a firsthand experience of what the state we're talking about is. The problem is that it you kind of leave it as quickly as you enter it um, mm-hmm. because you haven't trained your mind to settle into that state and stabilize so shamatha is the practice that is kind of the prelude to all of those Buddhist teachings, really, um, particularly Zogchen, because it allows you to stabilize the, the awareness mind in the awareness state. So not only do you enter it, but now you can sit there for as long as you need to to become more familiar with it. And that's the, the key to this practice is becoming more familiar with it, learning to know it, and then letting the wisdoms that come from it arise into your, your awareness being. Whereas transcendental meditation will show you it. You'll, you'll feel it when you enter it and you, you rest there, you drop the mantra and you just sit there for a couple minutes and then you leave, but that's not enough time for you to really develop the wisdom that comes from that state. If, if TM, if you did TM and you got to that state, but you knew to rest there. Is that right? With that the problem, work? Is, the problem is knowing and, and doing is different. You want to rest there because it's so mm-hmm. nice. It feels so good when you're there. You go, wow, this is amazing. And you rest right. there as long as you can. But then the thoughts begin to rise and you start following the thoughts again. So then you're pulled out. Then you go back to the mantra. Shamatha yeah. gives you the skills to stay there. Okay. Um, and in your book, do you have the skills to stay there? <laughs> Do I in particular? or does the No, in your book, if I, you know, picking up your book, you go through quite a bit of explanation and, and, you know, all of it. But do you have the actual skills? You talk about resting in the space and you, you talk about it in a number of different ways. Yes. Right. But I yes. don't know how to do that. <laughs> well, that's where Samatha comes in, yeah. Yes. Well, I was going to mm-hmm. say, actually, from um, um, from the perspective of the book, I think what C does really well is use metaphor to explain mm-hmm. how you experience this resting and how you experience the awareness of this resting. 
um, because it's we're, we're talking about something which is ineffable. It's almost impossible to describe. It's almost impossible to put to language. But um, but what the book does is offer you different situations and different metaphors to explain what that could be like. Um, mm. To explain, for example, um, there's a beautiful chapter on the wind. You know, when you're in this state of meditation and you can hear the wind and you can hear the wind flowing through your consciousness. And, um, and so the way that C is using language to, to poetically describe different ways that you can experience this state of meditation, that in itself is a teaching to, for you to understand that there are many, many different ways to experience it, because we're, we're all individual, we're all going to experience it in different ways. But, um, but I think it's, um, I think uh, there's a number of ways that you refer to this state mm. and offer, offer suggestions on how that can be experienced and different ways in which you can recognize it as, it's, as you are experiencing it. But to, to, to your question about the, the book speaks to the Shamatha practice in, in the sense that um, briefly it says you could pick up a rock and use the rock as a stable, you know, as a, as a, you hold your attention on it for as long as you, as long as you need to stabilize it and then allow the, the intention of holding the attention on the rock to let it loosen. And so that the rock begins to now rest in your awareness you could do this with your breath. So the book does point you towards a training practice, which is not, doesn't take very long. You can really learn to stabilize your awareness and within a few short months of your practicing every day. And then that. And you that, talk about that tension, the, the loosening or tightening. Right. Oh, yes. Right. It, you know, like, you know, it, our attention goes to things sharply say for instance if uh, a loud noise happens and you're you just immediately put put your attention right. on it because you're really trying to figure out what that was and then when you recognize what it is the the awareness begins to relax it's still the the, the, I, the thing is still there over there but it's it, now you can relax your awareness around around it and it's the same kind of working with the tension of the awareness pointing it firm on it and then letting it rest in it because if you're firm on it you you're not really going to be able to uh, settle into your own awareness. Now you're just stabilizing the awareness on something. Um, so it's a practice that you do to, to train your awareness, to stabilize, and then you learn to play with it so you can loosen, the, loosen the, that firm pointed attention. And this allows you to turn it inwards on your own awareness being. Mm -hmm. Is part of that just boring yourself so that you turn in? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, boring your mind, boring. <laughs> yeah, you know, just boring. You know, when you're staring at the rock, after a while, it's like you leave well, the rock. You, you don't, you don't really get bored because, again, you're giving yourself a purpose, and that's the great thing mm -hmm. about Chen is every step has a purpose. So you know, you're you're completing a task of sorts, and this task yeah. keeps you on task. Mm -hmm. um, whereas other meditations, you will get bored because you don't have a purpose. It's like a th having mm -hmm. no thesis in an essay. If there's no thesis, you're just rambling and the reader's bored to death. But if there's a thesis driving it through, then there's a purpose for why you're reading and you want to get to the end because you know that there's going to be a point that's going to be made that's going to be critical, the culminating idea. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of Dzogchen is. 
Okay. When I was saying boring, it, you know, uh, with the mantras, a lot of times I kind of thought, oh, I'll repeat the mind to my, repeat the mantra to until the point where my mind becomes so bored. Yes. It right. stops thinking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I is, see. You know, this is, yeah, this is how it Fire works. It out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we too, exhaust right? it and bore it to death. And now that it's helps. like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's really the essence of transcendental meditation. Yes. You well, just that's what I thought. Yeah. Mind down until it just gives up. <laughs> that's what it is and it's Um, Mm -hmm. it is effective and that's what I thought you were doing with the rock but I have to say we're at close I mean there I I only got through part of it and there's so much here and it is as I said one of the best books I have seen to actually explain in real simple terms and bring you step by step through and being able to do it you know without having to join an ashram or something you know well thank you to really do it yeah but i want everybody to know where they can get hold of you and what you have coming up and where they can get your book so if you want to tell us <laughs> yes well you can find the book on enteringthemind.com and that will take you straight there to the page which is um, hosted on our riot material magazine so you can have access to the magazine as well um, but enteringthemind.com you can find the book you can find our three-part podcast that we put together to speak more to the concepts in the book. And then you'll also find the tour where we will be um, posting this interview amongst other interviews. Oh, good. As we're yeah, doing thank you. Tour. <laughs> yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Enteringthemind.com. Beautiful to talk with you. And thank it you was for great. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you so much for being on the show. And it, it was certainly you. an opportunity for me. To well, learn we speak, so much. We anytime, Wonderful. Anytime we'll come back Thank anytime. You. Yeah, we'd love to. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you, Bob. Thank you Thank so you, much. Bob. And have a great weekend. You, you too. too. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.